Hello, again, welcome back to another episode of the House of Kites podcast. Today, or this evening, tonight, I am recording this from my room on West 35th Street. Um, I recently moved in here about a couple weeks ago. I think I'm on my second week. It was really awesome how it worked out. I have to thank God for that, really, because um, I built my savings back up a little bit to about $3,100 or something. Um, after I got my wheel fixed, I it came out of the shop and got a flat tire. Um, and on top of that, my starter gave out right in the Ralph's parking lot and had to call a tow truck and they towed it back to my cousin's house. And, um, this was, oh, actually, let me rewind a little bit. Um, just a little bit before that, <clears throat> I was, uh, promoted at work from dishwasher to line cook and again I wish I would have made an episode when that was all fresh um but I'm glad I got to express that through a phone call with my brother about how interesting that experience was like because while I was a dishwasher I mostly just like kept my head down and my insecurities were at a on a were pretty high at the time You know, just being a grubby, grimy dishwasher, you know, you smell bad because of all the food you're scraping. It it smells awful in that dish room. And it's uh, just a foul place to work. And um, uh, people would ask me, uh, you know, people I work with and, um, you know, my my family or my friends would be like, uh, how do you like it? And being determined to stay positive, I was like, I, I, I wouldn't say what I really felt about it being miserable and everything. I, I made a joke. I said, uh, I'm a cowboy, so that means I've shoveled every kind of crap there is on God's green earth. You know, uh, horse, cow, pig, uh, goat, chicken, bat, <laughs> you name it, just about every animal there is, I, I, uh, I shoveled it. But at least then I had a shovel. This time I was scraping plates with my bare hands and all that crap. It was, it was bad. Um, but the whole time, I, it, not well, the entirety of the time, I, it wasn't upbeat. A lot of the, some of the time I was pretty downcast about working such a terrible foul job but I did have to remain grateful because it was so hard like finding a job um I'd sent out my resume to like um I'd have to say about 40 50 40 to 50 places didn't hear back and still didn't hear back like in uh, the Santa Monica Cheesecake Factory was the only place and um when I interviewed for it, for the job, I went in for the interview. One of the kitchen managers, his name was Dylan, 
and uh, I like what he said in the interview. He was like, uh, it's not glamorous. He said, it's hard back there. And we usually don't like to keep our dishwashers back there for like more than three months or so. And he said, it's uh, it's humbling. And at the time, I wanted to like laugh in his face. And be like, and that same statement, like we played in my head many days throughout that dishwashing job. This job's humbling. And still, I just wanted to laugh in that manager's face and wish I had that opportunity to go back and make a reply to him about what I really thought. And still do, but instead I'm going to make it here on my podcast, which is, you think that you people can teach me anything? A damn single thing about humility? life humbled me I had to learn humility when I would get disciplined by my father and sometimes it was rough you know beat the crap out of me get slammed get hit uh, punched all this stuff you know and I would have to go and apologize for what I did to provoke him and you know I had to learn humility from uh, watching my dad and living through my dad's uh, growing pains or whatever it was that caused him to cheat on my mom and uh, hear him, like, treat him badly, her badly. And then my mom be like, no, it's not your place to reproach your father. You still show respect to him. You still love him and you still honor him. And, you know, the friendships, uh, uh, getting betrayed by friends that I loved, girls that I loved, and standing before a judge and hearing the bailiff say, the people of Humboldt County versus Justin Colgrove. (laughs) That was humbling. Burying friends or my age had dreams just like I did who suffered like I did in their own way and uh yeah that was humbling so this washing dishes That's a nice, easy spring afternoon at the park. That's what that is. You know, growing up in a combat sport and wrestling and training so hard seven days a week. You know, training until your bones are cracked. Training with injuries and still coming up short. That was humbling. Same thing in football. Being the one who worked the hardest on the team, trained in the off season, trained in my downtime and my own free time, still coming up short. Now that was humbling. <laughs>
So. <sighs> I got through it. And, um, I, I would sing hymns. Hymns, H-Y-M-N-S. Like, church songs that I could remember. And, um... One of them, the most popular one I think I sang the most was, uh, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. And, um, there's a, another one I want to, that I sang. Um, in the dish room and um, when my car was in the shop for the broken starter and I'd have to walk from my cousin's house to the train uh, station about about two miles away and um, so of course I'd sing this song and when I sang it I started to sing it uh, I was walking by this flower tree and a, and a gust of wind blew and a flower flew, flew right into my left hand and um, I still have that flower today, and I keep it in the, in my Bible. And uh, anyway, that song is uh, just a closer walk with Thee, grant it, Jesus, let it be through the days of toil and if I fall, dear Lord, who cares? None but Thee, dear Lord, none but Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Who? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. Daily walking close to thee, grant it, Jesus, let it be. I don't know, I probably messed that up, and um. That's the thing that's so frustrating about me, like, uh, to myself, is that I know so many secular songs. You know, I wouldn't miss a word, but I don't know a whole lot of hymns. But the ones I do, I just keep singing them over and over. And I could, you know, spend another 20 minutes singing these songs. But that's what I would do to myself, to encourage myself in uh, in that dish room. It gets so loud in there that nobody can hear you. And if they did, bless them, you know, because I, I'm not have the voice of... Otis Redding or Luther Franklin or any of these uh, gifted singers or whatever, you know. Um, but 
yeah, like, that's how I kept my spirit in, because I I always write that, you know, I always say that in my prayers, is that no matter what season I am in my life, or what state or stage, no matter what it is, let there be a song in my heart and a praise on my lips, because my God has been good to me all of my days. And truly, he, he showed himself strong on my behalf, and... I was promoted from that dish room to the line cook and um, the general manager told me that I'd only been there for a month and five days and that's the quickest he'd ever seen anybody be promoted and um, so that was awesome and and, uh, one of the things about that experience oh real quick before I move on um put a little pin in that there's one more song uh, it's from king arthur it's not a hymn but i would sing it to myself and i still continue to sing it to myself because like i mentioned i the minute i never like to be anywhere that isn't the reservation hoopa valley not in a way and the minute i leave i'm homesick no matter if it's five miles or 500 miles away i, I want to get back and um and trying to be brave in this facing walking through these new experiences on this adventure and everything and meet new friends and uh, stay optimistic and keep my best foot forward and a lot of the time most of the time it's not reciprocated and um there are a lot of negative and miserable people out there who wear that on the outside you know like that's what they want to do is like disturb people and inflict their misery on people and I understand it like because I used to be like that and you know some dark parts of me are still like that like anyway but um you know like I want to say to all these people that I'm trying with is like you guys don't matter to me as much as my friends and my people back home and but I sing this song you know as um Land of bear and land of eagle Land that calls us ever homeward Oh shoot, I messed it up and I started over. I'm sorry, again, I know I don't have the best singing voice, but I gotta share my experience. It's a land of bear and land of eagle land that gave us birth and blessing land that calls us ever homeward we will go home we will go home across the mountains we will go home we will go home And um, one of the things that was so interesting about the experience about uh, getting promoted was, like, the amount of new people that would talk to me. Because the staff is pretty big. I'd have to say, like, uh, 50 or 60 people, maybe more, you know, um, with the wait staff and the bussers and the dishwashers, prep cooks, line cooks, managers, general managers, floor managers, all this stuff. It's a lot of people that it takes to make a restaurant function and um of course the other dishwashers would talk to me when I was in dish 
and a few of the cooks would, and they'd show me a lot of love. And there's uh, one cook in particular, his name is Christian. God bless him and keep him and preserve him and all his loved ones and all of his concerns. He uh, would say, he, he, he would uh, cook me pasta and stuff without uh, me asking, and um, it was really cool. And we we have these green tickets that you get as a little meal ticket, and there's a certain staff menu that you're allowed to order off of, and when you order pasta, you just get chicken in your pasta. Uh, and he would sneak me shrimp <laughs> in my pasta, and... Um, I was feeling so alone and stuff here in this city, and um, I would cry, you know, eating his pasta. What a pitiful sight that was. But, yeah, just a, that comfort and whatever, you know, whatever was going on inside of me, you know, in my heart. But it was it was nice. And uh, he did that more on more than one occasion. And a couple of the times... Uh, most of the time, I'd just get a cheeseburger, and uh, it shows up on the cook screen, like staff men, uh, staff order or whatever, and um, so the, whoever was cooking my hamburger would see, oh, it's just a staff member, it's not like an actual paying customer, so they would just throw it on the grill for like, you know, let it burn on one side and the other, both for like five seconds, and so I'd just get raw hamburger, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. And, you know, here comes to save the day, Christian. And so, and he did more than that, you know, like talking to me and being encouraging and everything and about working hard and stuff like that. And so, like him appreciating that I work hard and everything. And so, that was really awesome. And uh, there's another guy, Danny, and he was... uh, he would talk to me out in the parking lot and stuff after work, and he's kind of a quiet fellow. He is a quiet fellow. And, um, yeah, he was encouraging, not just about... He was like, you're going to move up. He was like, you're going to move up, don't worry. And he was, like, uh, not only encouraging in that, but in my dreams, because I told him I came here to be in movies. And he was like, you're, you're going to do it. You know, like, he's very encouraging in that. And then there was another girl in Dish. Her name was Jasmine, and... Uh, not a lot of people liked her because uh, she's very confrontational <laughs> and she got into it with a lot of people, managers, fellow co-workers. And um, one of the greatest compliments I ever received from anybody, she told me uh, I was helping her with something in Dish and uh, she was like, Justin, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> and I was just like, I just smiled at her. But like she thought I was so helpful and stuff like that and that she would, you know... But she said that, and uh, she told me, you know, she was like, you're going to move up. She was like, you don't belong back here, she would tell me, and um, I really stored that, you know, in my heart, kept that in a little secret place, a little safe place, you know, and another thing that she told me, she was like, you remind me of a young Johnny Depp, like uh, 21 Jump Street. Johnny Depp for a nightmare on Elm Street I was like thank you you know like I have heard that compliment like a few times in my life and I love hearing it and um so yeah I held on to that but anyway after I got promoted um more people started talking to me like the servers would talk to me now and um 
yeah, you know, uh, oh, you got promoted out of, you, uh, you're a cook now, or, like, uh, how'd you move up so fast, and, yeah, and, uh, one of the guys was working there in Dish for two years, you know, and he was, like, so mad, you know, that I got promoted before he did, and, um, I was just, like, man, I wish I could give you some advice about how to move up, but this is God-given, baby. The only thing I gotta do is show up. <laughs> and, um, I wish I, the majority, the, when people would say that to me and be like, show their surprise about my promotion and stuff, I wish I would have gave God more credit, but I was just like, I don't know, it's crazy, lucky, whatever, you know, but, and moved on, kind of shrugged it off, but, yeah, here I am on this podcast giving glory to God, and, you know, this is more permanent than those conversations, and, uh, anyway, so, I get this promotion, and then my car breaks down, you know, and find out that the bill is going to cost almost the entirety of my savings. And I was like, man, what the heck? Like, am I, I going to have to go move back to Hoopa now? Because I was just as much trouble finding a place to stay as I was finding a job, you know? Again, like 40 to 50 requests and people were like, you know, nothing worked out. And uh, my time was up at my cousin's house. You know, they said I could stay there for a couple months. It'd been a month and three days, you know, about two months and three days. So I was definitely overstaying my welcome and um, felt a lot of that pressure. And so, wouldn't you know it though? Uh, and I uh, got a call from the place I'm currently staying now. Um, from UIAA, it was like United Indian Assistant something, I don't know what the acronym stands for, but, um, there, the woman on the phone was like, um, are you still looking for a place to stay? I was like, yeah, and she was like, cool, we need, we need somebody to occupy this room, like, immediately, and she was like, the rent is $1,300, and my heart just sank, because, you know, I was about to spend all this money on my car. And she was like, but, um, she was like, you know, it's a private, it's a private room. You've got your own bathroom. It's a shared kitchen, you know, a room in a building. It's a new building. And, um, she's like, and we subsidize the rent for the first month. It'll just be $405. And then after that, it goes up to 70% until so on, until it gets to the full amount, the 1300 and I was just so humbled and blessed and and that day when I walked to work like I was just like crying you know like you know joy joyful tears you know that that life was working out for me like this and God was blessing me and um as I sit here in this room I can only think about uh scripture I might be misquoting but that you've been faithful over few so now I give you, now you will be, uh, rule over many, and 
I'm going to Google that and correct it and uh, do the exact scripture phrasing and everything like that in the next podcast. But I just wanted to make that point, you know, like uh, God giving you a little. And what are you going to do with a little? You know, and I think back to my situation back on the reservation when I was staying in, uh, I called it my junta, but it was basically uh, a shack. And I'd like to call it a cabin too, but it was basically a shack. I got this uh, lumber from one of the jobs I was working at a weed farm and they were just going to burn it up you know they wanted it out of the way and so I built like a little structure out of it with the vaulted roof and you know I made a lot of good memories in there I had parties in there and romances in there and you know like it was cool um prayed in there read my bible in there drank a lot in there (laughs) and you know did a lot of stuff in there but that whole time I like held in my heart that again I was getting out of the pit you know this wasn't it I never believed like this is it this is all there is as good as it gets you know I would never let myself believe that and um so here I am in uh this situation you know and it's I got my own bathroom right there you know I don't have to go outside and pee on the ground, any of that, got my own shower, and, um, my own little mini fridge and stuff, it's, so I'm quite content, and now it's time to see what I can do with this, you know, um, with this little that he's given me, and, um, my plan is now that I have a place to stay, and I have a bit more of a stronger foothold here in this place, um, I get on LA casting, and, start looking for uh, auditions and stuff like that and putting myself on tape and sending auditions out. And, um, yeah, so that's the plan for that and keep cranking these podcasts out. I let so much time go by um, and I'm not going to do that anymore where I don't report because I have stuff to say. You know, I definitely do. And uh, back to the work situation, I was... uh, I was getting it down, I was I was, I was getting shifts and stuff like that, um, learning the new job and everything, and then they would ask me to go back to DISH, and that is challenging, and they still continue to ask me to go back to DISH, And um, but these next four or five shifts I got on the schedule, I'm supposed to be on the, on the line, but, you know, we'll see, and, um, and that was challenging, it, it, it was more challenging to go back to dish than to have originally just all I knew at the cheesecake factory was the dish because once you're on the line it's like it's more fun you know because um the energy is crazy you know crazier on the line because you're like sending plates out and stuff like that and the other cooks and everything like just yelling for oh I need this and that and all this other stuff and so that's really awesome and um when the waiters come up to you and the waitresses come up to you most of the time they say uh you're like oh i need uh, a fry tin or i need um five tins of fries or i need uh, this side of this sauce or whatever they're like thank you chef and all this stuff so like it's the little things you know and that makes you feel like oh yeah this is better than dish and more fun and you get like more moments or to like stand there and chill for a minute you know and so it's harder to go back to dish and 
at the time, I, like, took it personal, and I was like, man, these managers are just being haters, you know, like, because, uh, you know, may- maybe I was, like, a bit too giddy about my promotion and about, like, the increased attention I was getting, you know, from uh, the other staff members and stuff, and maybe the man, you know, I was like, the managers are just jealous, you know, that I'm getting this attention or whatever, so they gotta bust me down the dish and make me dirty and all this other stuff, and I was like, but, you know, in my prayer life and in my thought life, I did not let that, like, self-pity and that other stuff, like, remain, I was just like, you know what, they didn't, none of them raised me up, so they can't put me back down. And I didn't come, I didn't come here to work in a restaurant, you know, like, this is just what I'm doing to pay the bills and to survive and stuff, and I just kept telling myself that, you know, um, I keep telling myself I'm not going to be here long, uh, you know, because I've never, I've, since I've started my work life, you know, at the age of 13, I never stayed at any job for, like, too long, you know, it always feels like it goes by like that, you know, and so... I have no reason to believe that this will be different, you know, God always has something next for me, like, a, a new territory for me to go into, and, like, bring my presence, and my existence, and who I am, and my light, you know, and into a different territory, you know, um, and, you know, I, because God always has a remnant, and I am that remnant. I am imperfect, for sure, an imperfect believer with all of the vices that I have. But I always try to do that, like put my best foot forward and get people to talk about what they really want in life, you know, and encourage that and give life to that rather than just talk about our current job, you know. I will say this a million trillion times again, quoting Miles Monroe, a Bahamian preacher, when he said that there, that a man has his job and he has his work. His job is what he does to pay the bills and survive, and his work is why he was created and put here on this earth, why he was given breath, and the ability to walk and exist and do things with his hands, and you know what I mean? Like, that's why. And so, that's what I like to do, and that's what I do. You know, I get people to talk about their work. And, um, I can't help but think that, you know, like in every job that I've ever worked, it's like, people during their break time lunch time or whatever or like after hours of work when we're hanging out like they would talk about the job and I'm like man this world would be such a better much more pleasant place to live in if people talked about their work as much as they talk about their job you know like what are we doing to improve our quality of life and what can I do to help you like is there anything I can do you know I don't have a million dollars but I got two hands I have a willing heart and a belief system, like a monolithic belief system, you know, that, that, and, and, and faith that these things can work out. So what can I do? What do you really want to do? Like my friend Danny, um, I was telling you about, he wants to have a repair shop and stuff like that in a garage and, um, for cars and, um, so yeah, it was awesome. I got to know that about him. And so just things like that, you know, and, um, I have another friend, uh, Dalton 
and you know he he's he, he moved here from Maryland and he wants to be in the entertainment industry too like music is a primary thing but he wants to do movies and television and all this stuff and I was like and uh, I just recently hung out with him yesterday I went to his place for a bit and we had a great conversation it was really cool really comforting and stuff like that we were in the similar situations about like you know trying to deal with loneliness and all this stuff and the frustrations of like trying to break into the industry and I told him that we're allied we've made an alliance on how to break into this entertainment game but there's something more that we've something more important that we've allied ourselves against and that is against the darkness of this world against despair because if we don't believe then there's nothing left but to hang our heads you know and um so I'm really grateful to God that he uh, made that friendship possible and so um I'll probably be talking about that guy a lot more. You know, we're going to do projects together and create a lot of art together. And one of the things I told him, though, was that <clears throat> there, uh, and I've said it on this podcast before, is like there's, it, it, it can be frustrating seeing people who are better carnival barkers than us than they are artists. So they're more successful and they're able to make a living by selling curtains. But once that curtain drops, they don't have, they don't have, uh, show and we have the show but we can't (laughs) we're not so good we have still have to learn about how to be carnival barkers I guess or meet people who are good at that and partner with them or whatever but anyway such a blessing to talk to that guy and uh, be his friend and um, anyway so I'm ready for more, though, I feel like, you know, like, I've got gotten established a little bit here, and, um, so, yeah, I'm ready to start crack on with the, with the real business while I'm here. Oh, but I do want, there's another little point I want to vent out about, um, uh, Maybe I'm projecting this on people about, like, why, uh... Like, because there's a lot of people that... Like I said, there was a lot of people who didn't talk to me while I was in dish and stuff, but I also didn't try to talk to them, and I still don't, even though I'm a cook and everything, and it's like... Um... Or a chef, you know? Um... And it's not that, like, I think I'm too good to talk to you and stuff, it's just that, like... Number one, uh, we're at work, and um, I don't want to get them in trouble, and I don't want to get in trouble for, like, talking and stuff, because it really is kind of like school, you know what I mean? Like, you try to have these, like, brief, sneaky conversations and stuff, like, when the managers aren't around or whatever. Um, And, you know, people get suspended and stuff like that. It's kind of funny. But... You know, and then, like, the managers would be like, I told you, take those headphones out. <laughs> and all this stuff, you know what I mean? Like, don't be on your phone and all this stuff. It's pretty funny. But, um, yeah, and it's not just that I don't want to get in trouble because I've never really had a problem with, like, pushing the envelope against authority. But it's also that, like, I value my words a lot. And I don't want to waste them, you know, because 
the restaurant is a very loud place to work and it's a hard place to have a conversation and stuff. And, um, anyway, so that's why I don't try to put a lot of effort into talking to people, but, um, yeah, and there is this element, you know, of, uh, especially when it comes to, like, uh, the waitresses, you know, like, uh, the girls and women, I should say, and, uh, they're all lovely, every one of them, and, but, like, why I don't really talk to them is like number one it's their job you know to socialize with people you know it's a it's a their living depends on it you know um so they have to do it you know when they socialize with customers and stuff and you know like a good portion of them are probably men who are trying to be flirty or whatever with the waitresses and stuff and they have to put up with that and then they got their co-workers, you know, the male waiters, and then the cooks, and everybody else all trying to, you know, get their attention, and get their little flirtations in there, or just their conversations that have interaction with a, with a, with a, with a, uh, with a lovely woman, and I'm like, you don't need me piling on, so, like, I'm not gonna try to talk to you outside of, you know, hello, end of list, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) I'll be courteous like that, you know, I'll be like, you know, you got enough fun on your plate, you don't need me, um, trying to talk to you and stuff, but with that said, there are some that still, like, talk to me, and, like, there are, there are women line cooks, too, that are also lovely, and we talk sometimes and stuff, but, like, not, like, a real conversation, and, like, you know, I do have the concern that maybe they think I don't want to talk to them, I do, I definitely like to talk to people, I, like, I wrote, down on a list like the things that I need to make me happy and that's like caffeine biscuits and uh, somebody to talk to so I would love to but like it's just you know there's a time and place for everything and work is like not the best place it could be you know like an okay place a passable place but not the best especially for somebody like me who really cares about his eloquence (laughs) um so yeah And, and the other thing too like uh I wish I could just straight up tell them, like, look, we can actually be friends because I'm not here for that. You know, I'm not here to flirt. I'm not here to uh, try to find a mate, you know. I'm like, um, I'm not looking to mess around, you know, when it comes to my romance life. Like, I've done that. You know, I want the real thing. And um, I'm very doubtful that the real thing exists at the cheese factory. You know what I mean? Like... I'm not saying, like, I disapprove of them, but it's just, like, oh, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I need money. Um, also, you know, the experience, you know, the adventure of it all and everything, so I'm kind of there for that, like, a little tiny fraction for the socialization of things, but I'm not there to try to get lucky, as it were, you know what I mean? But, you know, they would never believe that, you know? They are, like, little narcissists themselves, which I'm glad they are, I'm glad they, like, have that, whatever, but, yeah, um, but the dudes are really cool, the bros, I made a lot of good bro friendships, and have a lot of good, uh, decent conversation with them, and stuff like that, we make each other laugh, and everything, <sighs> I'll probably talk more about 
the cheese factory until it's actually cheesecake factory but i'm so lazy i just call it the cheese factory you'll know what i'm you know what i'm talking about so yeah i think that's all i have to say about that for now oh wrong i will in conclusion i will wrap it up with this Like I said about my living situation, you know, I've gone from that shack that I built myself to this place that's actually got, you know, electricity and I don't have to run a power cord out here, my own bathroom, running water, all this stuff, you know, um, I moved on and God raised me up, but, you know, and he gave me a better situation. I'm here in the city. I wanted to come to the city. He made a way for me to come here and the other like at work you know he showed my favor he showed he showed me his favor you know the crown of favor that is on my life that I was promoted so quickly and even people around me took notice that that happened very quickly and um <laughs> it was actually funny about me using the euphemism of pits one of the things they call it at work is the dish pit and one of the waitresses asked me um, when I was newly promoted was, so you made it out of the pit, huh? I was like, yes, ma'am. And, uh, yeah, this brief little tangent, but, um, it was, I, I don't feel like I'm accurately expressing because it's been so much time has passed since that first day of the promotion, um, that I don't, but the feeling isn't as fresh. But it was really strange, though, like I said, to have so many people, like, now uh, willing to talk to me now that I'm not, you know, now that I'm, like, a couple millimeters up on the hierarchical ladder that exists in 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 the restaurant. Which is funny to me because at the end of the day, it's like we're all still working in a freaking restaurant, you know, in the service industry, the hospitality industry, they like to call it. So even if... You know, I climb. I I I I am. I'm catapulted to the very top rung of this hierarchical ladder. I'm still at a restaurant, so it doesn't really matter that much. Yes, it does. I don't want to be sound ungrateful, but you know what I mean. It's like I'm. I'm. This isn't it. You know what I mean. So like, it's not a big deal for me to go back to dish and do some dishes. You know. Um, because I'm not going to be here long. This is just a stepping stone. And this is just where the territory and the province that I'm assigned. My post for now. You know, but it's going to move on. But it was a type and a shadow of what's about to happen in my real career. As a, as an entertainer. You know, about I am going to be cutting to the front of the line in that industry. And I was... And God was able to prepare me for it, you know. Um, there's other examples and instances in my life where I was, where I can see that I've been prepared for what's about to happen in my life. But this one was just so specific and in my face about, like, this is what it's going to be like, you know. Like, people who never would even spit on my shadow are now, like, you know, going to talk to you. And, you know for whatever reason, you know, now they take notice. And, um, to be humble in that, like, to not be like, you didn't care who I was 
before this, you know, which I would like to do. And, you know, because I would like, <laughs> in my flesh, I would wrongfully like to do that. And just like when I am an established artist, I would like to go back to the cheese factory and to those managers and just, you know, you know just be obnoxious and do some kind of gesture to be like, I don't even know. I would have to be creative, but I'm not going to spend the mental energy on doing, you know, flip them off or something. I don't know. <laughs> but something to be like, ha ha, you can't, don't let your hands on me now, you know, like, I'm moved on from this place. But when I do return to the cheese factory, um, as a customer and stuff, just to say hi to everybody and revisit, you know, like, man, this was a so it's an interesting step in my journey, an interesting destination that I stayed at, and it's just in post, you know, a lot happened here. I will do it humbly. I will be humble and gracious. Um, I'm going to go back into the kitchen, into the line, and tip the, and tip the cooks, you know. I don't know how much money, but I will tip them, because they don't get tipped, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know, it's just awesome. And, uh, the last church service I went to in my home church in Willow Creek, one of my home churches, I had a few, but in Willow Creek, and, um, Pastor Ken, you know, was standing up there, thank God, you know, because there was other guest preachers and stuff, but I was glad he was there, he's the main preacher that, 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 that's his church. And, um... One of my te- a part of my testimony was uh, that my life is about to get crazier than it ever has been before, and I am so blessed that I'm at this stage in my life to where I'm like, there's not enough booze in the world, you know, to 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 cure or treat or do anything, you know to fill that void that is in my heart, you know, like, there's just not enough, and that I'm, that this is all happening at that same time, you know, I'm walking away from these vices, and putting them to rest, you know, and that, um, but that that time wasn't wasted when I was so engrossed in my vices, and the drinking, and the smoking, and promiscuity, you know, and the party life, the nightlife, because when people would try to talk to me and stuff, and open up to me, like, in the middle of these, like, I'm like, we're partying, dude, why are you putting this on me, why are you opening up to me like this, and even in my drunken state, you know, like, I would, all I, you know, I would share my faith with them, you know, and I hated saying that, like, I know it doesn't look like, I'm a Christian because I'm standing here drinking with you, you know, but I am, you know. I believe in God with my whole heart and soul. And, um, there's a scripture in the book of Matthew about take the worthless servant and cast him into the outer darkness. And the devil is a a created being. He's not omni, he's not omniscient, he is not like God, he doesn't know the future. All he knows is the past to hold it against you and to try to condemn you and accuse you. He is the accuser of the brethren. 
he doesn't know your future. And so while I was in that outer darkness, he must have been pretty happy, pretty pleased with himself. But God and I, we pulled a fast one on that devil because in that outer darkness, I taught my friends how to sing Amazing Grace. And I led them in the Lord's Prayer. And I told them that we are getting out of this pit. That we can... That, you know, so many of them talk about suicide and how they fight with it, and I believe them. I don't think they're just trying to get attention. And I tell them, we don't have to die to go to hell. We're already here. But there's a flip side to that coin. (laughs) And that is that we don't have to die to go to heaven either. We just have to build it and fight for it. But first, we have to believe in it. So even in that darkness, even at the bottom of those pits, I talked about it. We can have more. It's good to be content with what you have and that you, you know, to make peace that you can't have everything. You can't, you can't just, you just can't have everything, but you, we can still have more, you know, our our quality of life can be improved. It can happen. It will happen. And so here I am in this filthy city with so many self-involved people who are just so entrenched in self-worship and I'm walking it out I'm walking the walk right here this very second baby I'm walking the walk I'm walking the line praise God I'm doing it sober So I make this um I conclude this episode with just saying I am so grateful. I have a spirit of gladness. Not just for you know, of course for what I have seen done in my life just recently, but that I don't even know what I don't know. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. I know that there is so much more that God is going to do with me and in my life. And I pray that my flesh be hidden behind the cross and that I never say it was because of me. I know I said in conclusion like twice, but um, I'm going to have to save. There's some other stuff I want to say, but... um, I'll save it for tomorrow and really try to polish it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And that's all I have to say about that.